Hello and welcome to my first podcast, especially made for my LDT 200X course requirements. I'm Mark, and today we're going to be discussing the nine steps of the Dick and Carry model. The content of this podcast is mostly coming from elearningindustry.com. Just to give tribute, the Dick and Carry model was developed by Walter Dick. Luke Carey and James Carey way back in 1978 and it is considered to be one of the more detailed instructional design models. Distinction in their model could be mentioned that it is a system-based approach highlighted by the fact that they consider the relationships between the content, the context, the learning behavior, and instructional technique. The next minutes we will be going over the nine-step Dick and Carry model. The nine steps are first, identifying goals and objectives, second, conducting instructional analysis, third, determining entry behaviors and learning characteristics, fourth, writing performance objectives, fifth, developing criterion referenced assessments, sixth, developing instructional strategy, seventh, choosing learning materials and activities, eighth, carrying out formative evaluation, and finally ninth is carrying out summative evaluations. Let's go over the first one. We start with a problem that could be addressed by the instructional intervention. This is the first step, which is identifying goals and objectives. Like for example, for simplicity's sake, it could be a training for a new product introduced by your company. By doing so, we need to first define the need for the instructional intervention, which in this case could be how to be familiar with a new product so that employees can, can, can confidently use it or market it. Second is conducting instructional analysis. In this step, we might want to determine what your learners already know so that you can figure out how to fill the learning gap. You can look at prior skills that they have acquired through formal qualifications or conduct interviews and surveys which will emphasize in the current skill sets and knowledge base that they have. Going back to our simple example, you might have knowledge or skills that can be directly used for the new product so you might want to focus less on your training to those skills or knowledge which can be directly translated and you could focus more on features that were not previously used or highlighted. Third is determining entry behaviors and learning characteristics. This could also be considered as audience research or audience profiling. Here, we try to learn about the intended learner's behaviors, motivations, traits, preferences for taking the course above all others. You can also include learning environment, including the tools and resources that you have at your disposal. Going back to our simple example, are you the ones are the ones you plan to instruct your co-employees? Are they rather adamant? or passive about the new product or technology? Can they learn the new product via online means or do we need to have sessions that are face-to-face? 
Fourth is writing performance objectives. In here, we try to put quantifiable performance objectives, which will clearly describe skills or processes that they need to exhibit proficiently. Revisit, revisiting or being guided by Bloom's taxonomy in writing your performance objectives is a good practice in writing aligned performance objectives. Should also include descriptions under which the task needs to be carried out. Again, on our example, one performance objective could be expanding the difference of 80% of the basic parts and functions of the new product compared to the existing one. Or another example could be operate or use the new product for more than 30 minutes in a classroom setting. We go now to the fifth. The fifth is developing criterion referenced assessments. In this stage, we must ensure alignment of our performance objectives with our assessments. This involves finding the ideal type of assessment for the learners or designing rubrics for some authentic assessments. Going back to our simple scenario, we may consider deploying interactive drag and drop boxes for the basic parts then eventually have the learners make an essay or oral presentation about the differentiation between the basic parts. Or in the case of operating, live demonstration type of assessment could be put in place. Again, we are just putting a simplified scenario for example's sake. Six is developing the instructional strategy. After all the planning, writing, and research in this phase that we really synthesize and consider the appropriate approach and learning theories into practice. This is also in this phase where we can develop materials or content. Some prefer to do some sort of beta testing in this stage. Going back to our example, if it is a tangible, tangible product intended for mature learners, we might want to have a breakdown of the product and have the material which describes the use and function of each part. If it's a new software, you might want to start with a showcase of its functionalities against earlier release, so on and so forth. We're nearing the end here, so I hope you're staying with me. Seventh is choosing learning materials and activities. Now that we have our strategy in place and probably some original materials as well, as well Time to plan out the rest of the content and activities to ensure that the content is sufficient and even the tasks would supplement our goals and objectives. You can add simplified manuals or parts of it, demonstration videos, user-created content, product, or customer reviews or blog participation to the mix in our examples. Eighth is carrying out formative evaluation, and this stage is a bit tricky when I was first going through the material. From our research source, it states that in this stage, we do focus groups discussions or beta releases. This is the stage where we do fine-tuning of the course itself, not formative evaluations for the learners, find weak areas for improvement based on our focus group discussion or beta testers' feedbacks. This phase, we can also see if the course was intent indeed effective based on entry behaviors, tests, pre-test, post-test, and attitude questionnaires, and or interviews with a focus group discussion 
members or testers. So I guess in the context of our examples, after developing the entire course, it's time to try it out. Be sure to find individuals that would give meaningful feedback through that would give meaningful feedback though, but at the same time, a good representative of what your intended audience is. Serve changes in their behavior and get ample feedback either through formal or informal means, for example, interviews or dialogues. And finally, ninth is carrying out summative evaluation. The last step is carrying out summative evaluation like the previous step. The evaluation is for the course, not the summative evaluation administered to the learners. This last step is very important for congruence. Did we really instill changes in behavior, knowledge, and other important things as designed by the course? Aside from the results of the formal assessments, we can also check other venues where we can see the course's effect. Going back to our example, are we getting good adoption of the new product by looking at usage statistics, sales, or new materials developed using the product? Well, that about concludes our short podcast of the Dick and Carry model. But one last thing, revision and, impro- revision and improvements can be carried out at any of these steps. And the Dick and Carry model emphasizes very well the interdependence of each processes in the perspective of instructional design. So that's about it. And see you on my next works.